Hello, Emerald listeners. Welcome to How It's Reported with me, your host, Jamie Deep. On our show here today, I have Ardi Tabrizian, uh, who recently wrote a piece with Eugene Weekly about a death that happened a year ago in the hands of the police. Ardi, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I know right now we're in the middle of another heat wave. I'm currently in Portland. I know that you're in Portland as well. Just checking in. How are you holding up with everything? I'm fortunate enough to have AC here, which I would not have had if I was in Eugene as I've been the past four years. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, me too. I feel that 100%. Before we jump into it, you've been on the show before, but could you give a quick introduction to yourself, what you do, your ties to the Emerald? Yeah, so I'm a former uh, news reporter and associate news editor at the Daily Emerald. I was interning at Eugene Weekly when I wrote this story. I'm currently an intern at the Oregonian, and I'm going to be starting as a reporter at the Salem Reporter next month. Awesome. Well, why don't we go ahead and dive into the story? If you haven't read the story yet, we will have it linked in the description below. And I strongly recommend you read that before you listen to the podcast, but just so that everybody's on the same page. Artie, could you describe the story briefly? Yeah. So last year, a Eugene man named Landon Payne was in the midst of a mental health crisis after he had used meth after about three years of sobriety. Um, His wife called the police to get help for him. And they decided while they were there to arrest him on a three-year-old warrant related to a child support case that he had been working to pay off. He sort of started to back away from the police. They tased him several times, and that really turned his panic into delirium. They took him to jail after that, refused to send him to a hospital, and uh, at the jail, uh, Lane County Sheriff's deputies restrained him. At least one had his knee on his back, and pretty soon after that, he stopped breathing. They took him to the hospital, and he died two days later, and the Eugene Police Department and the Lane County Sheriff's Office, as well as other agencies, have have covered it up uh, essentially until this story came out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've read your, your article and everything, and every time I hear about it, it's still just like, it's a huge gut punch that everything about this was covered up and that this was really an avoidable tragedy. I guess just talking about the story, how did you learn about this story or like what exactly did you do to kind of report on this? Yeah, I have to be a little bit vague because it was an it was an off the record tip uh, in the middle of a conversation I was having with a source, and the source mentioned that uh, something tragic had happened at the jail somewhat recently. And after some after some pushing, he he gave me the name of Landon Payne, and I ran his name through the court system, the the electronic circuit court system here in Oregon, and I found his child support case, and there was a file document that said that the case was dismissed because he was deceased. And uh, just prior to that, there was a warrant return of service, which basically means he was arrested on a warrant. And it was 23 pages and it was sealed, neither of which are things I've ever seen. And I saw there was a note on that return of service that said EPD incident and investigation. And that really raised a red flag for me. And that's that was sort of the start of it. But the court would not give me that document because they they said it was sealed. And it it contained police stuff, quote unquote. That was sort of the beginning of it all. Yeah. So then what was your process after that to access the records? I know in the article itself, it talks about how 
many of the documents in the video was obtained under the Oregon public records law. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. The, the bulk of the information does come from public records. There, there was sort of two months of waiting, not knowing what happened until I, I got the police reports and my jaw sort of dropped when I read them. And then all these other documents started coming in. EPD refused to release the body cam footage of the arrest, which we, we appealed. And uh, we actually won that case yesterday. And the DA ordered the police department to release the footage. Um, but we did get video from the Lane County Sheriff's Office of what happened to him at the jail. And so that really gave a clear picture of that. But the medical examiner doesn't talk about individual cases. I've, I've gotten silence from EPD and the Sheriff's Office on this case. And so I really had to figure all of that out from reading the reports, watching the video, and talking to members of Landon's family, particularly his wife. And that was sort of how I learned what she had been told as opposed to what actually happened. And I ended up having to break that news to her because what she was told was not the truth. Mm -hmm. And what was it like for you breaking that news to her? It, it was terrible. I mean, she was understandably shocked. Um, she was told that he had just collapsed at the jail before making it into booking. Nothing about restraints, nothing about a knee on his back. Yeah, I mean, she was understandably just trying to move on with her life as one would. And to have this all come back up was very traumatic for her. And I hated to have to be the one to break that to her. Yeah, as a as a journalist, that must have been really hard to do, especially if you were trying to, to interview her and then having to tell her that. As you were doing this reporting and as you were finding records and appealing to get body cam footage, what was the largest challenge that you faced writing this story? Well... I wish there was a better way to put it, but I, I was just kind of up against it, I guess. I mean, um, like I said, none of the officials involved here really wanted to comment on anything other than the Lane County jail captain who actually invited me to the jail to watch the footage and asked whatever questions I wanted to ask. But otherwise, I, I really had to piece all of this together bit by bit based on public records, like I said, and look for inconsistencies from, from those and, and what his wife recalled from that night. And so that was really it, is that a lot of the officials involved did not want to speak to the truth or try to help me solve it. Yeah, that's definitely extremely challenging to only have those, those documents to go off of. What was like something that you've learned that really stood out to you? Hmm. You know, I mean, you don't want to throw around the word cover-up, right? But that's really what this was. The medical examiner ruling the death undetermined really allowed the involved law enforcement to avoid a criminal investigation uh, because there would have been an independent criminal investigation if he had ruled it a homicide. EPD stamped the reports confidential, and that's why ultimately they were not available on the court system. The Marion County Court, where the child support case was uh, over in Salem, sealed it, and there was no independent investigation. EPD did its own investigation, where they actually investigated the actions of Lane County Sheriff's deputies, which is sort of an interesting decision by EPD, because it's sort of washing their hands of the whole thing. And the fact that they did lie to his wife and that this whole thing would have been swept under the rug is is something that I just can't wrap my head around to this day. Yeah, even just like reading about it, it was really shocking to me that like EPD just has the power to really just cover up this this death mm -hmm. uh, that happened at their hands. Absolutely. Was this your first time doing an investigative piece like this? 
Um, well, like this is tough. I mean, there's, you know, you don't see stories like this every day. Although I will say that I think this happens a lot more than people realize. But, you know, I've, I've done quite a few investigative stories for a few different news organizations, but no, nothing quite like this. I mean, this one, this one's always going to stick with me. It's definitely going to stick with a lot of people in the Eugene community. Like you said, this most likely isn't an isolated case. And especially since this happened in March of 2020, in your eyes, like how does it tie in with all of the other instances of police brutality and police violence that happened at the same time? What are your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Because, I mean, the George Floyd murder happened two months after that, and they were two very different situations that point to some, some different issues. Landon Payne was white, but I think this one really highlights not just the challenges that police have in dealing with people in crisis, but also the fact that, you know, it's, it's a question of, you know, do they just forget their training? Are they not adequately trained? Are they, you know, in this case, it seemed like they really just dismissed um, his signs of mental instability. But, you know, obviously the the George Floyd incident was caught on a cell phone video that everyone saw. And obviously it, it really impacted people all across the country. This one, I almost feel like I was a little bit lucky to find out. You know, I, I talked to an attorney who said they definitely covered this up, but they didn't do a very good job. And so that's sort of how I found out about this. But it really makes me wonder how many of these cases happen around the country that just are swept under the rug like this one would have been. A reporter doesn't find out about it. The spouse isn't trying to find out what happened. You know, it's really makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up, to be honest. Yeah. As we're talking about this, you've talked about how it was really shocking to find out about all of the things that were covered up. You would have to, like, break the news of the death of Landon Payne, like the, the circumstances that happened around this death to his wife. As a journalist, how have you kind of... I guess, for the lack of a better word, just like taking care of yourself through this process. You know, just it's not easy, but whatever I dealt with going through it is nothing compared to what the family has had to deal with now again, having this brought back up. And I, I know from talking to them how, how difficult it's been for all of them to have this brought back up. But I guess just sticking with the task at hand. And um, it was a long process with the story. There were a couple of instances where we were going to release it earlier but we wanted to find out more information and we really wanted this one to be, you know, not a single fact could be out of place in this one. And so I guess just staying focused on the purpose, I suppose. Definitely. For a lot of student journalists, especially just folks at UO or just people who are thinking about going into investigative journalism, do you have any advice from them after writing this piece and look, diving into everything? Just based on what I learned from this? I would say, I mean, one thing, um, know the law. You know, I had a, I've had a great mentor these past couple of years, Brent Walth, uh, with the Catalyst Journalism Project. And um, in large part, thanks to him, I had a great understanding of, or I should say a decent understanding of Oregon public records law. And for example, the Eugene Police Department just sort of gave us a blanket denial of the body camera footage. And I think a lot of people might have just taken their word for it, that we don't release body cam footage based on this statute. Well, this statute does not really apply, and you can't have a blanket policy on that. And they've since tried to argue that they don't. But I guess that's beside the point, is that you're not going to just get these things. You're not If you take their word for everything, and you have to know what the law is, what you have a right to see, and what the public has, has the right to know, 
and um, use that to find the truth, I suppose. Thank you for, for sharing that advice. For our next question, it's just going to do talk about uh, more with like the impact of your story because it was a huge deal. Like It still is a huge deal, especially mm-hmm. in our current climate. Have you seen any kind of impact your story has had since it's been published? The Eugene community with the EPD or with just local people within Eugene? I think the immediate impact was just, you know, I mean, I am a little, I'm not in Eugene right now, but I certainly see the reaction on social media. People were understandably very upset by what they read. But as far as institutional changes, I think it's going to take some time before we see that. But we're not going to let this disappear in the news cycle. And I'm certainly continuing to have my eye on this. And a lot of things need to change. And I think this this story certainly highlights that. So we've talked about what impact your story may have had in the local community, but just in general, why is this type of investigative reporting so important to do and why why do what you do, you know? Well, I think this story is a perfect example of one that I'd love to think that another reporter would have found out about this, but who knows? And I, I have to thank Eugene Weekly for being willing to report stories like this that that may and very well could otherwise go untold. And um you know, it's scary to me to think that Landon Payne's wife may have lived the rest of her life not knowing what happened to her husband. And um, I guess, I don't know, putting that in a broader context, I mean, who knows if this story would have ever been told otherwise. And so I think that's that's why it's very important. Yeah, thank you for answering that. I guess talking about you as a, as a reporter, you just graduated from UO. You wrote this incredible piece. You're currently working with The Oregonian. What are some next steps for you as a journalist, if you if you have an idea of that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be starting next month at the Salem Reporter, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to be working for uh, Les Deitz, who was my boss for uh, all of last summer when I was at the Malheur Enterprise, and I've got a great relationship with him. And um, I'm going to be covering economy and state politics there. And so I think he's already got a couple of ideas for me. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that's great. So you seem to be doing a lot of work with local news, just like with Eugene Weekly. And then, as you just mentioned, like the Malheur Enterprise um, and starting up working in Salem soon. I guess in your eyes, like what's so important about local journalism and local investigative journalism? You know, I think it's important to know that, you know, Local journalism and small town journalism doesn't have to be bad journalism. And um, I think that, you know, everybody wants to go to the New York Times and has big goals. And I think that's great. You know, I I used to think that way, too. But I think this kind of work is very fulfilling. And I've gotten to, you know, I've, I've seen stories that I've done firsthand have an impact in the community. And I think that's that's something that has always stuck with me. And um, I think my experience at the Malheur Enterprise really taught me that working in a small town of 1,800 people and, um, you know, seeing that work come to fruition and seeing changes in the system, I think that those glaring holes are almost more visible in the local community. And um, to shine a light on those things, I think is there's no understating how important that is. I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, for myself personally, I am not a journalism major at all. Never done a lick of journalism until this summer. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, just like 
seeing like just the impact of just interviewing people in the local area, talking with them, like writing stories. I, I agree with you, like the impact is there and that the work you do in local journalism is really, really important and super valid. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. And I will say that um, some of the best journalists I know are not journalism majors, so no one should be discouraged by that. Thank you. That is all that I have. Do you have any questions for me? No. Thank you for having me on. Nothing comes to mind, but uh, yeah, I appreciate the time. And thank you so much for agreeing to do this and for being interviewed and everything. So that'll be all from us here, Emerald listeners. Thank you and uh, stay safe out there.